We're going to just briefly study this morning a couple passages. Let's start in turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You know, when we um, read the Bible, it's, if we're going to be really honest, it's easy to be a little discouraged sometimes. And the reason that is, is because we see some of the amazing people, some of the amazing examples that people set, and the powerful ministries that people had in standing for the Lord and representing the Lord. And when we look at what they did, ordinary people that are doing miracles, people that are are taking a stand that's extraordinary, like uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing up to Nebuchadnezzar, or Daniel being defiant and being put in the lion's den, or or um, Peter and John in Acts 4 telling the Pharisees that they weren't going to be quiet, they were just going to talk about the Lord, whether the Pharisees liked it or not. You, you see people like that, you see the examples and the standards that they set, and then when we hold our own lives up to that, we feel a little lesser then, right? A little, little insecure, a little intimidated, like, well, here are these great men and women of faith, and, and that's not me. And comparison may even seem a little outlandish, like, well, Paul, I'm not even, let's not even go there. I mean, I'm not even going to approach that. I'm, I'm just trying to get by. I think sometimes we're just trying to make it. We're just trying to get through. And some of the adjectives that might describe us are run down or weary or stuck or feeling little joy or worrying too much or lacking in strength. Now, I think we all feel that physically and emotionally, but when it starts to describe us spiritually that we need to get a little bit concerned. Because when that happens, when that's the spiritual description of our lives, that starts to affect every single aspect of our life. It starts to filter down into every area, whether it's physical or emotional or relational or vocational or whatever the case may be. When we're struggling spiritually, when we're not thriving spiritually, that will affect everything else. Now, if you find yourself in that position this morning, if I just described you and you're kind of shrinking down in your seat a little bit because the Holy Spirit just said, yeah, that he's talking about you, you're probably responding in one of two ways. Either you are frustrated by that and you're irritated that you're stuck spiritually and that you're not progressing and there's not a lot of joy and you're looking for answers, or the other option is that you're content with average. You kind of know you need to do more, and and probably you should, but but right now you think this is all you can give. Now, what I'd like to do this morning in this brief study is is to, to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to really feel that contrast between seeing powerful, anointed, on fire lives in Scripture and maybe people around us and, and being bothered that that's not us. Now, I, I, please understand my heart this morning. This is not meant to condemn or accuse or judge because I struggle this with myself. This is, I pray, meant to encourage us. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will, will really um, ask how those Bible figures can be so dynamic and so bold and so confident and so full of the Spirit, and then somehow we've settled for less. Because Christ redeemed them the same way he redeemed us. 
The salvation that Peter and John experienced is the exact salvation that I experienced in 1974. There's absolutely no difference. There's one salvation. There's one Lord. There's one spirit. There's one faith. Okay, so we can't look at them and say, well, it was different because that was just a different time and a different age, and it's not that way anymore. Nope, it's not. It's the same spirit. So Christ didn't save us to be uh, dispassionate and, and powerless. He hasn't given us the Holy Spirit so we can have kind of a, a mediocre walk. Now, if you think that word's too harsh, and I struggled with it a little bit, listen to some of the synonyms for mediocre. Listen to these words. Ordinary, middle of the road, uninspired, undistinguished, unexceptional, forgettable. Are those accurate descriptions of your life right now? Now, here's the positive. The Lord doesn't want us to stay that way. And the Lord has given us all his power and everything to equip us to have spiritual lives that aren't average and mediocre, but to have spiritual lives that are powerful and mature and bold and so influential. See, an important part of the Spirit's conviction is not only to show us where we're not progressing in our walk, but also to show us the flip side of that, the extraordinary potential that he has to, to make us something different. Christ has redeemed you. I pray that's true of every person in the room. If Christ hasn't redeemed you, if you've never trusted in him, do it right now. Say to him, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I understand. I've offended you. I've sinned against you. I deserve nothing. But by your grace, Christ has died for me and risen again, and you can save me forever. So I accept that. Say it right now. Because when that happens, God changes you, and God fills you with his spirit. And as he fills us with his spirit, he gives us an unbelievable power and an unbelievable potential to be something completely different. So we're going to look at a couple practical actions, very practical this morning, very basic this morning, of how we can become more strong in the Lord, how we can move beyond average. And they're going to center around one word in the New Testament, and it's the word renewal. Renewal, okay? Look at this text, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. All things are for your sakes. Oop, I'm in the wrong passage. Am I in the wrong passage? No, 16, my, my apologies. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but through our, though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Now, at the top of your page, if you're taking notes, say, to advance beyond average, dot, dot, dot. Okay, that's, that's our theme. We're going to advance beyond average. We're not going to be stuck in the mediocre. We're going to move beyond the mediocre, all right? So to advance beyond average, step one, we need to be renewed daily, inwardly. We need to be renewed daily, inwardly. The whole essence of the Christian life, the whole essence of our whole life, is what is inside. Not the external, not the material, but the internal and the spiritual. Now, when you think about that sentence, that, that our whole life, the whole essence of our Christian life, is not the external, it's the internal. Think about how much time we spend attending to the external. Think about how many of your 186 hours this week are going to be focused on what you wear, how you look, cleaning our house, making sure our yard looks nice, preparing a presentation for work, 
figuring out what to eat and then going and buying it and preparing it, making sure our house uh, is repaired, making sure our car is clean. Those are just a couple of the preoccupations. Think about how many hours we're going to spend on the external. And the problem with the external is none of it's going to heaven with us. My car is not going to heaven with me. My house is not going to be the house I have in heaven. The clothes I wear this morning, I'm not going to wear them in heaven. My hair, thank you, Lord, is not going to be in heaven with me. I'm going to get a new body. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What we have here doesn't go with us. Meanwhile, our inner being is not only not being renewed daily, but often it's being neglected. We're giving short shrift to the internal while we're focusing so much on the external. And then we wonder why we're weak and stagnant and worried and passionless. We wonder why sin still has a hold on us and that we're still kind of feeling indifferent about it. We're wondering why we're not being blessed like the people in the Bible were who were no different than you and me. James says, Elijah was a man just like us. The Bible shows the failure of even the most mature believers. Why does the Holy Spirit do that? Why does he show us Moses' anger and frustration? Why does he show us Elijah in the cave, completely defeated after he's had a great victory? Why does he show us David's lust and pride and Solomon's compromise and Peter's argumentative spirit and his denial? Why does he show us Thomas's doubt? Why does the Holy Spirit do that? He shows us that to show us they're just like you and me. And if we understand that these are not people who were at the next level spiritually because God gave them something different, it's the same Holy Spirit. Now if we look at that, we say, well, why are they able to thrive, but I'm not? It's because they attended to the internal. The disciples knew that the internal has to be strong because it makes no sense to deal with the external if the internal is weak. That's, that's a farce. That's, that's a game we're playing with ourselves that, well, if I can just get thinner and my hair will look nicer and I have a nicer car and people will respect me and then I'll have my life how I want it to be. That's not how it works. What people will respect and what God will respect is if we have conviction. If we walk according to that conviction, and the disciples knew that, once the Holy Spirit empowered them and they understood the difference between who they were before the resurrection and who they were after the resurrection, their whole approach to life changed. Just study it sometime. Study the disciples at the end of Luke and study the disciples as Acts starts. Completely different people. It's like two months apart. Because they understood now the resurrection has changed everything. So what happens in Acts 2? We know the passage well. Just write Acts 2.42 down. We're not going to turn to it. We know it well. What did they do in Acts 2? Well, they devoted themselves daily. That word is key. They devoted themselves daily to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, we hold that up as the ultimate. Well, that's what the church should look like. And oh, oh, if our church could become an Acts 2.42 church that we devoted ourselves daily to study and to prayer and to breaking of bread and to fellowship. But here's the thing. That's the Lord's expectation of every believer every day. That's not this, this model 
of what the church should be. That's what a believer's life should look like. Now think about the apostles in Acts 2. They had no building. They had no corporate structure. They had no philosophy of ministry. They had no outreach strategy, but they were active. They were full of the Spirit, and they were passionate about the Lord. And that didn't happen just because it was Acts 2. That happened because they were being inwardly renewed daily. We can't just sit around. This is an encouragement. Holy Spirit, help us. We can't just sit around spiritually and do nothing and expect to advance. It's like the old comic I remember, Charlie Brown. He hadn't studied for his test, so he puts the book underneath his pillow and he goes to bed hoping that during the night all the information from the book will float up through the pillow and into his brain. How many know that's not going to work? That's the approach we take spiritually. Well, I come to church, and I maybe do a Bible study, and, and I try to pray once in a while, and, and, and you know what? I'm going to thrive spiritually. Nope. It has to be a daily inward renewal. We have to be intentional. We have to make the inside our world. Being like Christ has to be the greatest priority, and nothing else is close. Because if that's not the priority, nothing else will work. This is why faith is so important. It's why we talk about faith so much. And it's why the enemy tries so hard to destroy our faith. Because being inwardly renewed requires an internal perspective. Look at what Paul says in verse 18. While we look not at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. In other words, the external is just for here. But the things which are not seen by faith, those are eternal. Being preoccupied with the eternal requires a strong faith. Being able to know, Lord, you're working. Lord, you have a plan for me. Lord, I trust you that you've saved me. Lord, I trust that there is a Holy Spirit. Lord, I trust that you have plans that are too amazing for me to even understand. Lord, I know that you will provide. Lord, I know that you'll answer your promises and keep your promises. I know you'll answer prayer. I know you'll continue to love me. I know you'll continue to sustain me. All of that is by faith. Bible says the just shall live by what? Tell me, faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So the growth of our faith is the key. It's the foundation for all spiritual growth. If our faith subsides, we falter. But if our faith grows, we mature. When our faith is weak, the fiery darts of the enemy hit us. And they pierce our confidence. And they pierce our, our strength. But when our faith is strong, what does the Bible says is the, is the shield of what? Faith. So if my faith is strong, when the enemy shoots the fiery darts, I just deflect. I deflect because that's what prevents me from getting discouraged by the attack. When faith lessens, what happens? You live in worry and fear and anxiety. But when your faith increases, what's happening in the world doesn't even faze you. You don't sit around worrying and, you know, what am I going to do? And how am I going to make it through? What's going to happen? No, that's not a sign of faith. Because when our faith recedes, listen now, the visible is everything. When your faith is not strong, the external, the visible, becomes everything. Well, I don't have enough money in the bank account. And my health, <clears throat> I'm feeling, 
not feeling too good. Something might happen, and, and our relationship's not going the way it should go, and boy, I don't know what to do. I better find an answer. That, that's not trusting in the Lord. That's trying to solve it yourself. But when you trust in the Lord, it gives you an eternal perspective, and you get peace that passes all understanding, and it fills your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. How many know that's true this morning? And you feel calm and settled and content. If you want to know what faith looks like, read Philippians 4. Your heart's filled with things that are pure and holy and just and true. And you don't, you're not anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, you give it to the Lord. And you learn to be content in all things. And you know that God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. I mean, Philippians 4 is such a beautiful passage on what it looks like to trust the Lord. See, the problem is when we focus externally, it robs us of our faith. Because the external is starting to pass away. <coughs> That's true physically, right? As they get older, everything gets a little weaker, more tired. It hurts to stand up from the couch. The knees aren't working the way they used to. You feel more worn down. You feel more weary. It's also true emotionally. As you get older, you get a little bit more annoyed with things, don't you? Older people, confirm me on this one. A little more uptight, a little more impatient, a little more irritated. You don't quite have the patience you used to have. When you're around kids that are three and four, it's not quite as exciting as when you were 25. So physically, we start to wear down. And emotionally, we start to wear down. So it would only be logical that that's true, that the external starts to wear down spiritually. We get weary in doing well. Our focus starts to get off of the Lord. This is why it's such a rare thing that a believer finishes well. Because the whole attack of the enemy is to wear us down spiritually. So how do we solve that? Look at 2 Corinthians 4.16. We have to be renewed Daily, inwardly, that means exercising our faith. That means exercising our spiritual development. If you don't believe that, try it for a week. Try it for a week. Renew yourself daily for a week. And then come back Sunday and say, Paul, that was true or that wasn't true. Say, what does that mean? All right, devote yourself steadfastly to studying the Word. I'm not talking 20 minutes. I'm talking hours. Study God's Word. Take notes. Interact with the text. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. I mean, this week, just give yourself to the Word. Spend time in the presence of the Lord in prayer. Just, just go to Him and listen to Him and call on His name and thank Him for His goodness and praise Him and then get to your requests and see if God doesn't refresh you. Get fellowship with believers. Come to a Bible study this week. Spend time with other people. See if your whole attitude and your perspective and faith isn't stronger by next Sunday. You say, well, I'm so busy. Well, then change your schedule. Change your schedule. You and I need spiritual food. Listen, if I don't eat for 12 or 15 hours, I get grouchy. doesn't even take 12 or 15 hours. Maybe four or five. I'm a little irritated. Jill's like, what's wrong with you? I don't know. I'm hungry. Like, like it's her fault that I'm not eating. Start raiding the cabinet, grabbing snacks. Irritated. Isn't the same true spiritually? 
if you don't get fed until next Sunday, I promise you, you're going to be grouchy spiritually. You're going to be uh, unhappy and uptight and struggling and irritated and, and frustrated with God for some reason, even though it's not his fault. We've got to get fed. We've got to get fed every day. How many will commit to that this week? We've got to do that this week. And that leads to the renewing of the mind that Romans 12, 2 talks about. But, but let's, let's get to another passage. Turn over to Colossians 3 for a minute. First thing we're going to do this week, and I pray we'll commit to this, is to renew ourselves inwardly daily. Now Colossians 3 tells us that when we're doing that, it will empower us and motivate us to the next step of renewal. Colossians 3, start in verse 5. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body, here's the theme again, as dead to immortality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed. Notice what it equates to. It equates to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you once walked, important word, underline that, you once walked when you were living in them. But now, second key word, underline that, but now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, which is, here's our word, being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Step two, to advance beyond average, we need to be renewed in our new self. To advance beyond average, we need to be renewed in our new self. Now look back at the Spirit's words through Paul in verse 5, where he says we have to view our earthly body, external, this, we have to view that as dead, to the possibility of eternal life. It has no hope of life. Without Christ, we have no hope of salvation because we're filled with impurity and evil and greed. And not only can the Lord not accept that because he's perfectly holy, but he has to punish it. But here's the good news. The person who has trusted in Christ now looks at that and says, that was my old life. That was filled with filth. It was disgusting. It was disgraced by sin. That's who I used to be. But now, Jesus has delivered me from that life, and he's given me a new life. And the new life is marked by holiness. So, question, is holiness our habit? Is it unmistakable in how we think, and how we act, and how we talk, and how we relate to other people? See, God did the work to create it, now we have to do the work to sustain it. You are a new creation in Christ. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. So, as the new creation, as the newborn now, we have to walk in that new life. And verse 8 tells us how. First, put all, notice the definitive, it's unambiguous at any level, put all of the old self aside. Its traits, some of them, are anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech, lying, and anything evil. So, Christian, put off the old self. Second step, 
put on the new self. And the new self is renewed to the knowledge of holding it up to the standard that Jesus established for us. He's the only one we're supposed to compare ourselves to. So what does it mean? To be renewed in our new self means having nothing, 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 say the word with me, nothing to do with our former life. Don't even talk about it. Don't joke about it. Don't, don't be around the people that dragged you into it. Don't go back to it. Why? Because it doesn't own you anymore. Because it has no place in your life anymore. So we're going to have nothing to do with the former life because we're going to get in the daily habit of living exactly like Jesus did. And here's what's wonderful. The Lord has fully equipped us to do that. It's not something we have to figure out how to do, and boy, I've got to find some strength and some conviction. No, God has fully equipped us to do this. He's given us a complete instruction manual on how to do it, and he has filled us with his spirit and with his power so we can do it. And if that isn't enough, and of course it is, if that isn't enough, he's also given us a clear understanding of how destructive the old life was. Because remember, the old life sentenced us to hell. So if the word isn't enough and the spirit isn't enough and, and, and this instruction isn't enough, then just remember where you were headed before Christ. Just remember what life was like before him. By his grace, he's forgiven us and cleansed us and transformed us. And he's removed that old self. So what are we going to do? We're going to run back to it and feed it? That's not only not smart, but it's an offense to the grace of God. He gives us life that is abundant. Why would we want a cheap imitation? Why, why would we want a fraudulent life that promises what it can't deliver when God says, I will give you life and I will give you life that is abundant and you will walk by my spirit and you will be holy? Listen, you and I will never advance past average as long as we hold on to parts of our old life. I can't give you a greater truth than that this morning. You will never pass, get past average as long as you hold on to the old life. You will stay in spiritual stagnation. You will not experience joy. You will not experience any sense of blessing that the Lord has to you. It's only when we recognize the unmistakable contrast between our old life and our new life, that we become very passionately intentional about only living like Jesus did. Now, how do we do that? How do we stay strong in that and committed to that and avoid falling back to our old life? Because that's what the enemy's trying to do. That's the first attack. He's already working on your mind, Ryan. He's already working on my mind. Well, okay, that's good truth, and that encourages me, but, but honestly, I just I don't think I can give up the old life. That, that's the battle playing out right now in this room. So how do, we, how do we stay committed? Well, this is where the work of the Holy Spirit comes in. So turn over to Titus 3. Let's look at our last passage. Titus 3. It's right after 2 Timothy. The Holy Spirit is given to us to indwell us, to empower us, and to fill us. And in Titus 3, verses 3 to 5, the Lord gives us the key 
to daily spiritual renewal. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. You want to see evidence of that? Look at what's happened in the last two weeks, and you'll see what sin looks like. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, I love that word kindness. Aren't you happy for that word kindness? What a praise the Lord for that word. When the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of works or deeds, which we've done in righteousness, because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none that's righteous, no, not one. So, so that's a that's a kind of ironic phrase. It's not we're saved because of our righteousness. We don't have any righteousness. But what? According to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Step three. To advance beyond average, we need to be continually renewed by the Holy Spirit. We need to be continually renewed by the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 3 is very similar to what we just read in Colossians. It details our past life. It shows the characteristics that marked our old sinful self. But then in verses 4 and 5, the Holy Spirit says, here's what Christ did. Because of God's love and God's mercy, he saved us. Not because we were righteous, but because God is merciful. And then, by his Spirit, he washed us with his regeneration and his renewal. There's that word again. Now, what's the difference between regeneration and renewal? Regeneration is a one-time action. It means that a new life has been created. The old term that we used to use in the 70s and 80s was born again. That's a great term. We should use it more because that's exactly what's happened. We have gone through a spiritual regeneration. There has been a new life created through Christ. So I'm the exact same person that I am when I got saved at nine, but the Spirit has changed my inclinations and my desires. The old self no longer has a grip on me. The old self no longer has control of me. It can no longer claim any ownership of me. It no longer has the access or the appeal that it once had. And because that's true, and because we're grateful to God for doing that, and because we want to please Him, we live in the regeneration that He provided now through, second word, spiritual renewal. Regeneration is a one-time action. Renewal is an ongoing action. It's the daily process of surrendering ourselves to the Holy Spirit and making it clear, Lord, I want to live in the regeneration that you provided. I don't want to mess around with the old life. I don't, want to, I don't want to have any part of that. I don't want that to infect me. I don't want to think the way the devil wants me to think. I only want to live for you. Ephesians 5 says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. There's a contrast there between the preoccupation with self and allowing what distorts our judgment and impugns our character with being preoccupied with Christ and living under his control. So to be filled with the Spirit means I'm emptied of sin, confession daily, hourly. Lord, I've sinned against you. I am so sorry. Please take that inclination away from me. I confess that to you. 
emptied of sin. Don't, let, don't, let, don't get to the end of the day stored up with all the sin you committed that day and then get to bed and say, all right, Lord, now i gotta, I got to unload all the stuff I've done. The moment you sin, confess that to the Lord. Lord, I just told a lie. I know it was a minor lie, but uh, I'm sorry. I should not have done that. Please take that desire away from me. Lord, I looked at that person. I shouldn't have looked at them the way I looked at them. I know better, and, and I have lust in my heart now. And I, No, Lord, please take that desire away from me. Sometimes we'll work days, 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 days. We haven't confessed our sin. And we get to the next Sunday, and we go, oh, boy, going to church. Well, probably ought to get right with the Lord. No, that's not the way it works. Daily inward renewal. Being emptied of pride which creeps in so easily, being emptied of resisting the work of renewal that God wants to do. We are called in Scripture to make sure that we never grieve the Holy Spirit of God that happens when we resist His work of conforming us to Christ. And believe me, the longer you get in your faith and know you know, that you know when you're grieving the Holy Spirit, you get it. Now, if we start to grieve the Spirit, and I'm, I'm done, if we start to grieve the Spirit, He'll either take His hands off of us to wake us up, or He'll directly discipline us to really wake us up. He has shown us what is right through Christ's example and through His Word. Now, here's the last point. It's up to us to live in the new life. And the extent to which we do that will greatly determine whether we move past average and we start to bear spiritual fruit and we start to live with power and boldness and we start to influence other people significantly for Christ. Listen, you and I don't have to do miracles or stand in a room with hungry lions to be extraordinary for the Lord. Let me say that again. You and I don't have to do miracles or stand in a room with hungry lions to be extraordinary. You want to know how to be extraordinary for the Lord? Be inwardly renewed daily. Walk by faith and not by sight. Reject the old life and thrive in the new life and place yourself under the Holy Spirit's control every day. When we do that, we will be powerful beyond understanding. And we're not alone in this. Remember, he says, I have given you everything, everything pertaining to life godliness. When I was in high school, I was a C student. I am not proud to admit that, and I will never tell my kids, so hopefully they won't listen to this. I don't want to be a C student spiritually. I don't want to be weary and stuck and lacking in joy, average, ordinary, mediocre, uninspired. I want to thrive for the I want to love the Lord and trust the Lord and serve the Lord and live like the Lord and call on the Lord because the Lord is good, he's kind, he's faithful, he's merciful. Praise his name.